So welcome to another episode of Vendée Radio and um, today it is a great privilege to welcome back Dr. Jesse Russell Um, and Dr. Russell writes for the Remnant newspaper as a regular columnist. He's also written for Crisis Magazine, 1 Peter 5 and uh, Dr. Russell will be joining us tonight to discuss the recent bombshell revelations uh, from the Vigano letter which have erupted uh, into the Catholic laity's consciousness and caused all sorts of divisions uh, right through the episcopacy so dr russell welcome to the show uh thank you for having me on again uh it's always an honor uh, to be on your show well thank you very much it's um it's hard to decipher quite what is going on and to keep up with um, these revelations which keep on coming out i remember you saying i think on the last time you spoke that these uh, these scandals, these these sex abuse scandals, are just going to snowball. And your prediction has been, um, it's, it's continued to, to to be true in the in the last few weeks. And uh, the, the, I, I really think the Vigano letter is is a watershed moment. You know, to have a, a really well respected papal nuncio um, reveal the the figures um, he he implicates um, behind homosexual clerical abuse and the attendant cover-ups and then actually naming Pope Francis as um, uh, complacent and also instrumental in these um, these cover-ups of friendly prelates. Um, it, it's, it's a moment we can't go back from. Uh, yes. I, well, I think that the first thing we have to understand is a principle uh, is that there's, I guess you could think of it as like a pool uh, of people who are blackmailable in the church. Mm. Uh, and there are certain points at which these people are outed. So I want to first of all make it clear that uh, if I say that someone is motivated 
for whatever reason to um, you know attack Pope Francis, it doesn't mean I'm defending Pope Francis. I think that um, as we'll see, this is just the beginning of uh, further and deeper relations. And yes. so, I mean, you look at like the um, the 2002. It's now called the Spotlight investigation into the Archdiocese of Boston. Yeah, what the people or the priests who were brought to trial had been known about since the 1970s. I think there's pictures of Father um, Paul Shanley marching in the Nambla Parade and his clerics. So the North American and Boy Love Association and his clerics since right. the 1980s. Um. And so the question would be. Well, why is it right there in 2002 um, that um, all of a sudden this is brought out in the public? And uh, I had suggested um, with another interview on Tim Kelly's Our Interesting Times that this was done in response to a couple of things John Paul II had said in regard to um, Palestine uh, and condemning the Israeli action there. And two, it was right in the lead up to the Iraq war. So it was clear that John Paul II and the majority of the European cardinals uh, were not going to support the Iraq war. Now, interestingly, a figure who has been beating the drum uh, to expose these scandals, and I, and I want to say that I think he's doing a good job at that. So it's good that I, I want to make it clear that I think it's good that Rod Dreyer is exposing all of this. I, may, I, I want to say that without a doubt. Yeah. However, at the time, uh, Dreyer had um, been strongly advocating, this is 2002, 2003, uh, trying to sell the American Catholics on the Iraq War. Mm. And I know um, e. Michael Jones had pointed out that Dreyer had attacked John Paul II for not supporting the Iraq War, and the ammunition he had used in his attack was the allegations of covering up the sexual abuse crisis. So right. I think that's certainly possible. Uh, I haven't found anything that uh, Dr. Jones seems to have an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, uh, journalism, and so <laughs> it's, it's probably out there somewhere. And so hmm. the question would be today, like, why would uh, Cardinal McCarrick, uh, Cardinal Whirl, and Pope Francis himself be targeted? Now, again, by saying that they're being targeted, I'm not saying that they're immune uh, from blame. In fact, they probably, all three of them, uh, it'll become clear soon that they legally uh, should be um, placed in jail. You know, uh, you, that, you think that, that, that'll come out? Well, I think that the evidence for that will, and we can mm. talk about that in a second. I, I mean, like, the call to resign... Uh, is because they want someone else in Francis's place. Yeah. Um, so, but like the the question would be okay. So, people, everyone knew this about Cardinal Whirl. Everyone had known this about uh, Colin McCarrick. I know myself. I had known about the McCarrick scandals for about four years now. I'd read about them in the uh, book "The Right of Sodomy" by Randy Engel, mm -hmm. and um, she had known about them longer. I think since the, the aughts or the 2000s, but there was nothing, I mean, I didn't have any legal evidence support or something about it, hmm. uh, but this had been kind of in the air for a long time. Uh, but recently, so I assume, like, people that write for the Washington Post, uh, people that write for the New York Times, they would have some knowledge of this. I mean, th th these are the circles 
the cardinals and bishops of the church travel largely in the same uh, circles as those on their ideological side. So, you know, liberal cardinals are going to interact with liberal journalists and liberal um, uh, politicians mm. in the United States. And so I thought, you know, what what is it that um, Pope Francis uh, had done and what did Cardinal World or Cardinal um, uh, McCarrick, what have they done to uh, cause them to be outed at this time? Well, uh, one of the first trials I followed was uh, Ben Shapiro. I don't know if you know who he is, but he yes, uh, runs a new... So he's kind of like the heir to the neoconservatives. So he yeah. uh, initially in 2016, he had attacked uh, President Trump very viciously. Uh, he had made um, very unsettling comments about the Israeli-Palestine situation, arguing for, I don't know if he used the word genocide, but like population removal, I think. He said that <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and he, he had um, uh, switched gears after Trump won and was just all of a sudden this pro-Trump guy. And he has all kinds of Catholic uh, philosophers and apologists on his uh, website, and he had been brought on to discuss the scandal. And, you know, he called the resignation of uh, Pope Francis um, on there, and it's sort of like it seems strange that this guy who's not in the Catholic Church uh, would be defending the conservative wing of the church. He praised Pope Benedict and then attacking Pope Francis. And then there's another guy, uh, Jack Soviet, who runs the One American News Network, who also, he, I think he was working for InfoWars, Alex Jones's show, uh, but he's kind of someone who kind of toes the line between kind of populism, uh, conspiracy stuff, and the neoconservatism. And uh, he's tied into some of the same uh, cultural, to say, and, uh, I don't know, um, cultural uh, mix and has some of the same ties to a particular foreign country in the Middle East as uh, Ben Shapiro, but he had also had been really pressing down in the issue of Pope Francis to resign. Now, mm. I think, you know, obviously Pope Francis has never been elected. Uh, who knows who really is the Pope in the situation? I'm not saying Pope Benedict is, but it's definitely an odd situation. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, uh, he, he also attacked uh, Pope Francis as well, calling him to resign. And I would, I would think, you know, I started thinking to myself, why are these neoconservatives or these newer incarnation of the neoconservatives attacking Pope Francis? I mean, in... Right. Because traditionalists uh, have been warning, sounding the alarm about Pope Francis for five years now. And it's, it's strange that, you know, basically doctrinal heterodoxy um, imperiling souls wouldn't, you know, they always seems to be able to find an excuse. Oh, he didn't really mean that. Oh, you've got to look at this statement and this statement. And yet this is the issue um, that, where they've suddenly flipped. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh... And the question would be, what, what what did he do? I mean, there in Shapiro's own religious tradition, there are scandals that come out uh, as often or more so in the press about the um, ritualized sexual abuse and some of the more extreme movements uh, in his religious tradition. But it doesn't make the mainstream press, so it'll come out in smaller newspapers and magazines, sort of thing. So. What, what, why is there this pressure uh, on the institutional Catholic Church? And, well, Cardinal McCarrick, interestingly, in the Washington Post, 
in July 16, 2015, wrote an opinion letter saying why we can applaud the Iran deal in good faith. Right. And so this was the deal uh, allowing, uh, first of all, making it clear that we're not going to go to war with Iran and uh, allowing uh, for uh, the relaxation of some um, of the uh, previous uh, penalties placed on Iran. And I think there was something there with that they were allowed to uh, do some sort of research into uh, uh, nuclear energy. Mm. And uh, interestingly, in that the, the letter, Cardinal McCarrick um, had uh, praised John Kerry's efforts to broker a peace deal between Israel and Palestine. Uh, he had mentioned that many of the bishops in the United States uh, had praised the Iran deal. deal. Now, I, I'm not defending Colin McCarrick. I mean, people have known about him for years. The question would be, why now all of a sudden? Mm. Uh, and uh, for Pope Francis as well, especially the Honduran uh, uh, from Honduras, uh, Cardinal, I'm trying to get his name, Madurego? Made, oh, Maradiago. The vice Yeah. Yes, yes. And he uh, had notoriously had made a number of anti Semitic comments. Mm. And uh, E. Michael Jones had suggested that uh, the Honduran cardinal uh, was in the lineup for the papacy and that Pope Francis was kind of a compromise candidate, if you can believe that. Yeah, um, well, he, he, said, he said basically Jews were capitalizing on. Uh, the abuse crisis, Jewish n news outlets were capitalizing on the abuse crisis to damage the, the Catholic Church. I, th I think I think the the quotes were something along those lines, right? Yeah, the, the, there's also like some strange things going on, perhaps in the background. Uh, Cardinal Pope Francis had um, uh, moved ahead the canonization process of uh, Cardinal August Holund. It was a Polish cardinal who had been a resistor to the Nazis, but he had written things critical of Judaism. Right. He is constantly brought up in uh, discourse on Catholic-Jewish relations as an example, all the way up until the 20th century of anti-Semitism still existing in the church. Hmm. And there was a New York Post article on July 4th, 2018, uh, it was very heated, and it said that this is going to set back uh, Catholic-Jewish relations for centuries. And it does seem um, strange that Pope Francis would do this. I mean, Pope Francis has uh, made a great deal of overtures to the Jewish community, but it was very symbolic, kind of like the um, uh, canonization process of Pius XII and uh, Pius IX as well. Uh, that there's tremendous pressure placed on uh, the church uh, since the 1960s not to forward the cause of these individuals who uh, were either seen too reactionary and especially had seemed to take a critical attitude toward Judaism. Um, and the, the, the New York Post article, which is a neocon publication, was very angry about this. Um, there was another article... Uh, uh, in the New York Post after the scandal recently broke out by a man named Troy Gill, who's a professor at McGill University uh, in Canada, which is where the MKUltra experiments were. And I don't think there's a connection necessarily, but it's, my mm -hmm. point is that they, 
uh, university very much uh, tied to both American and Canadian intelligence, although you know the, who uh, teach there have nothing to do with that. So, but he he had um, written an article titled "In the New York Post Again: The Catholic Church Rooted Out Anti-Semitism That Can Do the Same for Abuse." And it kind of it's it's kind of a strange article where he talks about his grandfather growing up in Poland and how much his grandfather hated the Catholic Church, and how he associated uh, that the author actually Troy Gale associates uh, the sexual abuse of children with anti-Semitism uh, as well. It's kind of there's a few sort of strange things there, but the point present there in both of these New York Post articles is that the church uh, has evolved. Uh, and the key issue for which it's evolved is uh, Catholic-Jewish relations. And the, the abuse scandal is tied to this. It's a sign of the old sort of uh, reactionary church rearing in its head. And the, the overall message it seems to be the media trying to give is that it's a reactionary institution. And one of the symptoms of the reactionary behavior of the church is uh, the abuse of children. So, and in fact, the reality is that it's a group of uh, bishops and cardinals, and some of them are conservative. Mm. Rod Dreyer wrote a very interesting article that no one has really followed up on, that in effect in the Catholic Church there's sort of a civil war uh, between um, conservative uh, homosexual clerics and liberal homosexual clerics. Yeah. So basically, basically my... Um, point is, is that it seems to be at the very least uh, people are taking advantage of the situation or that they are, um, that, that these, this information is being outed possibly by Rod Dreher to um, attack these liberal cardinals for uh, something very similar to, I guess, the, the Jeremy Corbyn effect, where you have someone who is very progressive uh, on all kinds of economic in uh, sexual matters, but who is very strongly critical of Israel. So I, I don't know for sure there's a connection. It just sort of seems to follow a similar narrative uh, as the 20, or 2002 Boston Spotlight, where it seemed very advantageous for these scandals to come out or act war begins with John Paul II and the majority of the clerics in uh Europe were opposed to. I'll just say one last thing real quickly. Um, mm. It's interesting, too, that um, there are other grand jury uh, processes in motion that appear to be more as threats. And I'm thinking especially the Archdiocese of New York, which Michael Boris uh, in Church Militant has done some very good exposés of a very strong gay culture there. So there's another situation where you have obvious um, instances of theft of church funds, uh, secret payouts, uh, a sort of aggressive uh, homosexual and pederast culture, uh, but um, Cardinal Dolan is very friendly with the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, he's very friendly with a number of uh, non-Catholic benefactors in the city of New York. Uh, his uh, property behind St. Patrick's is mortgaged out, I believe, to Goldman Sachs. That's uh, worth several million, <laughs> millions of dollars. And uh, he's someone who's a team player where he will, like the situation with the football player who was openly gay, he said bravo to him. So 
it seems possible that these other dioceses, these other clerics, are being told to get in line uh, on certain political matters, or there's going to be a release of information in their own diocese. Right. So there's it's it's being yeah it's being threatened over their heads this kind of sword of Damocles because they could just keep rolling these state grand jury investigations, state after state, and the result would be utter devastation for the church. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the key thing to understand here is that these things are known about by most journalists mm. and, and people in political you know, positions of power, and then they seem to coincide with some sort of mistake or stepping out of line uh, by the, the these, these clerics and they're punished or it's simply that they're expendable yeah uh, that someone like Cardinal law uh, who again he, he should have died in jail uh, or maybe be uh, punished more severely than that by the church itself uh, yeah. but he, um, he he was sort of targeted and uh, I know e. Michael Jones suggested because the historical importance of Boston for Irish American Catholics uh, mm. that it, it was targeted there. I mean, again, the, those clerics were guilty, but there are, uh, you know, many, many more. And that there are people who, in the positions of power, uh, who are guilty of abuse or who are uh, complicit in abuse who have not um, been outed yet. Yeah, that that's a, a really good point you make because you probably you're probably familiar with Cardinal Keith O'Brien of Scotland. Yes. Um, who was? It's very interesting. This the you know the suggestion you've made that the knowledge of the scandals, the dirt on these people, is widespread. And he was only outed outed as an active homosexual once he came out strongly against gay marriage. It, it, it was it was it was just you know that that's an acknowledged fact that that the once he spoke out strongly against it um he was that that uh his previous history um of um, sexual contact with with other priests was was out in the mainstream press and he and he was gone so it suggests you're right there's there's a lot of prelates out there who are blackmailed into silence on moral issues from people who have dirt on them Yes, and uh, another thing that's a little bit weird, and again, this could be a coincidence, but uh, at the beginning of the summer, um, you have this uh, this QAnon, which I think is bogus, and I think it's been proven to be a bogus, uh, and other figures, kind of these B-list um, uh, figures like Isaac Cappy, uh, who are accusing many people in Hollywood of sexual abuse. And what's weird about that is not that, that someone is making these claims, because these things are everywhere on the Internet. Like, every, it's just an endless, like, there, there are people who accuse, um, you know, conspiracy theorists of being part of the conspiracy or whatever. So there's all this crazy stuff. But what's weird about uh, those accusations is how much traction they got in the media. Mm. So... Normally, the smart thing to do is someone falsely accuses someone else of abuse, they have no legal case, is just to ignore them. If you put something on TMZ, people are going to read it. Mm. You know, like uh, TMZ is this kind of pop, uh, like degenerate, like uh, gossip uh, website. Uh, I think it was a TV show for a while or, or TV 
channel even, but uh, they, uh, I think they, they, they had, they were one of the organizations that exposed or uh, attacked Mel Gibson uh, back in the day. Yeah. But anyway, so they, they, you have this wave of accusations of uh, sexual abuse in Hollywood, uh, and you have um, the, um, uh, the strange Nexium cult uh, where there was, and this is in the regular news, the Bronfman family, uh, that owns uh, Seagram's Alcohol, which I thought was a British uh, company, but I guess it's uh, people from Russia who settled in Canada, I think, and they own Seagram's. But right. uh, two of the daughters of all this, and this is stuff in the New York Post, New York Times, uh, mainstream news. And this all comes out begin the summer, and there are some minor conspiracy sites as well as Alex Jones's Infowars that put this stuff out all of a sudden, they, they, these organizations, these media outlets who have been saying crazy conspiracies for like 20 years, uh, all of a sudden they're pulled off of social media. Uh, mm. I know someone personally, there's a guy, Jay Dyer, mm. uh, who uh, is not a huge media figure, mm. and his site is relatively insignificant, but he was pulled as well. Uh, immediately after, he did a couple of podcasts on both the Hollywood accusations and the next thing called and he has been saying all kinds of things about conspiracies for like mm. i've been listening to him for like five years he's been on for 10 years and it just seems bizarre and then all of a sudden you have a, this the world the mccarrick scandal uh the world scandal and then the vagano and francis scandal and uh one last point you know before the um weinstein scandals last year in october of last year you had the Corey Feldman in Hollywood, uh, who goes on ABC and says that uh, the biggest scandal of Hollywood is pedophilia. You have a documentary made called An Open Secret uh, that is on ch uh, child abuse in Hollywood. And then all of a sudden, you have a number of uh, males uh, who are guilty largely of uh, heterosexual harassment of these stars, uh, these males are all shamed, rightfully so, and some of them probably have been punished worse. Some of them lose their jobs. Some of them go off to Switzerland to, you know, these multi-million-dollar resorts. And then recently, their accusers are all being attacked in the New York Times, and they're slowly being re rehabilitated in the New York Times, as some people have predicted. So it seems to be, you know, when there's another scandal brewing, it's pretty fortuitous that all of a sudden a less controversial scandal brew. So obviously it's a terrible thing, mm. uh, these sexual harassment things, but it, if you read some of the accusations that Harvey Weinstein, uh, they're disturbing. Uh, I think that he's accused of rape in a couple of situations, uh, but many of them are like sort of grotesque uh, demonstrations of sexuality in front of women and stuff like mm. that. Like it's terrible stuff. It's, it's, it's impunable stuff, but it's, it's not... Um, it's not the same thing as like uh, trafficking of children and murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's well, interesting, Louis C.K. was another really uh, yes. prominent figure to to fall victim to that scan, well, fall victim to to, to be identified um, in that whole wave. Um, and yeah. he's recently, I've heard, starting to sort of be rehabilitated. Yes, yes. And um, uh, you know, it's interesting that. There were certain 
patterns um, in that that Hollywood, uh, in that Me Too um, scandal, that, that ongoing scandal of, you know, the backgrounds of some of these uh, people who were accused. Um, and then that, that, you know, that there was, is there some kind of diversion going on here before people noticed those patterns? Yeah, I would say um, that I think that obviously the establishment was very scared of some of the, um, there was an article in the tablet, which I believe is a British Jewish newspaper. Uh, and there was an art, uh, the Larry David famous Saturday Night Live skit. Right. I think they were scared about that. But the, um, I mean, some of the listeners may disagree, but I'm someone, I don't believe there's just one faction that controls everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that particular faction is extremely powerful. I think over the past 150 years, uh, especially in America and Britain, it's become extremely powerful, but uh, they can't do whatever they want. And there is sort of a bigger, wider network. Um, to get, give an example, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, Dutroux affair or the Franklin scandal. Uh, Dutroux is Belgium, isn't it? Yes. I don't know about the Franklin and, scandal. So basically, I, I would not recommend the viewers are doing any research into the Jutro affair. It's, ex- mm. it's, it's extremely disturbing. Uh, it's something that's in the British Sunday Times, the Irish Times, so it's a fact. Mm. And they had this guy, Jutro, and he, there was another man working with him whose last name was um, Weinstein. I don't think he was uh, related to uh, Harvey Weinstein, but uh, he, these guys were kind of like the scumbag uh, like catchers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had gotten out. I mean, the the story is they they had caught these girls. The girls have been tortured. Dutroux had to go to jail. He came back. Some of the girls had just been left in the basement and starved to death. Uh, in response, Dutroux kills Weinstein. No, again, not everyone's a different one. And then mm-hmm. uh, it's just a horrible, disgusting mess. But what came out in the mainstream press was that the the people involved covering this up were Belgian officials. And uh, some people claim uh, clerks as well. And right after that, you have the Godfrey Dan- Dan- Daniels mm. scandal uh, in Belgium, uh, the Cardinal, who was part of the same crew as Cardinal McCarrick, the St. Gallen Mafia, who got Pope Francis elected. Uh, the Franklin yeah. scandal in the United States, the same thing, where you have these children who are being harmed uh, by members of the local Republican Party in Omaha, Nebraska, there are police, the police chief, local police chief is involved, and the children, when they older, some of them uh, lived on later in the 90s, uh, and they had uh, claimed that there were like clerics there. Uh, so th- this definitely is a crossover between different ethnic, religious, political factions, although as gross as it sounds, it does seem to be like all the conservatives hang out and do this stuff together, and then the Democrats and liberals or Labour Party people do it together. Mm. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. That the, that that dialectic we've talked about many times, uh, with with both sides thoroughly compromised um, and on board with the agenda of the new world order, with you know, varying emphasis, varying degrees of emphasis on both sides. Um. It's interesting this idea that the recent revelations have been some kind of prelude to uh, some possible military action in the Middle East. Um, I mean, I I, I do, you know, hear things about, uh, you know, Israel getting particularly agitated by 
Iranian presence in Syria um, and the basic the triumph of the Assad regime um, in the civil war there and um, sort of yeah basically yeah. St- starting to to raise tensions and um, and obviously tensions have been have be have um, have risen since Trump uh, backed out of the Iran deal as well that seems to have uh, destabilized things. But there's um. Uh... You know, you, I don't remember back in 2013, uh, there, after the first alleged gas attacks, uh, there was a lot of talk in the United States about attacking Syria. Yes. And there was a sort of stand-down day where it was very bizarre, but many American servicemen had went to social media and had you know, said they're not going to be the Air Force for al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was before um, ISIS was around. Uh, and Pope Francis very called for a day of prayer and fra- fasting um, to prevent a war in Syria. Now, obviously, the soldiers themselves did not prevent the um, uh, war from going down, but there are rumors that sort of the top brass in the American military, you know, refused, and we're, we're going to refuse an order, and there'd be some sort of mutiny. Um, I think that with Trump, he, uh, I don't know, if you were familiar with Ryan Dawson, no, I'm not. He's uh, an American who lives in Japan, um, uh, who is uh, writes a great deal about neoconservatives and Israel. And he had said that he made some very good points about Trump that he doesn't really care about these issues. He's not he's not like beholden to any group. Yeah. Uh, he does owe them favors. Yeah. But he'll he he's kind of trolled them in a certain sense where. Uh, last year when the president of China, or the prime minister of China, was with him in his Mar-a-Lago resort, and he bombed an empty airfield and killed, killed a few Syrians, the Russians were going to do it, right. so they could get some of their planes off the airfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, he moves the embassy to, to uh, from, Te- from Tel Aviv, but that doesn't really, I mean, that has symbolic importance, but it doesn't really do anything, you know, and so I think, I even noticed yesterday on um, Matt Drudge, who's an American aggregator who has ties to a certain foreign government, uh, that there was the first time I'd seen kind of an attack on Trump. And he had said, he he was airing all this stuff from Bob Woodward's recent book on Trump. Um, And then Trump had to tweet out uh, different um, quotes from letters written by his staff saying these quotes are false, he's attributed to them, blah, blah, blah. So it could be possible that, um, as ironic as it sounds, both Pope Francis and uh, Trump have made the same people angry. I don't know that for sure. Yes. Uh, But I think you can kind of uh, aggregate. Yeah, yeah. It seems that way. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, And then to to go back to some of these journalists, because I think that's very interesting, particularly how a lot of... Catholics form their opinions of these prominent opinion writers um, and I'd just like to, to get your thoughts on some of them um, Ross Duthat is interesting as the New York Times kind of token house conservative um, I read his book To Change a Church which um, really lays out um, you know the, the, the Franciscan agenda um, you know talks about the St. Gallen Mafia and the general um, post-Vatican II divisions within the Catholic Church but what's funny about it is he kind of presents these these two strands of Catholic thought after Vatican II liberal and conservative um, 
where the liberals are, um, are following this idea of the hermeneutic of rupture, uh, the spirit of Vatican II, that there's there's some um, really fundamental change in the way the church teaches things and um, regards the faith, and then the, the conservative uh, hermeneutic of continuity, uh, we're, we're all quite familiar with these distinctions. Um, but it's interesting that he kind of presents only those two options and, and doesn't really say anything about traditionalists, um, you know, who would say actually the elements of Vatican II itself are problematic. Well, um, I would say a couple of things. First of all, I think it's similar in Britain, but in America, if a person goes to Harvard or Princeton or Yale, they're in the club. You know what I mean? So I think in Britain, if you go to Eton or Harrow or whatever... Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, and then Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, so it can be liberal, conservative, you can be, you know, whatever, a drug addict, whatever it is. Like, you're kind of in the club. Yeah. And um, I think he is. um, I think that if you read his writings, uh, he has a couple more controversial um, articles in the Times, especially related to politics. Uh, he, he, very similar to um, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram uh, and Ann Coulter, they all use kind of coded language mm-hmm. where they might criticize something, but if you read, um, but if you read um, between the lines, you could tell they're much more sympathetic to more of a, at least politically traditionalist uh, worldview. Yes. Now, I I think well, I think for, it goes to the Latin Mass, Ross, do that, you know, so just for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know his personal beliefs. I mean, I've had some, I mean, he commented on an article I wrote that was retweeted by someone else, uh, and th- th- there was another situation where I've never had direct personal contact, but he has uh, commented on things that I've written indirectly mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter and that sort of wow. thing. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be like that, that there was one I had written for one Peter five and then, uh, but I, you know, I, I won't get into sort of the detail there, but the, the point is that I don't know him personally. Uh, I think he may be more sympathetic. Uh, I, I, I know that first things over the past two years has undergone a radical sea change, mm. um, with their, they wrote a number of articles criticizing, uh, capitalism, and uh, they also published a positive review of the memoirs of the um, Edgardo Motaro. The yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I know some Romance languages, but I have a hard time pronouncing some of the things uh, in there. But I can uh, read some of them. But they, uh, anyway, so um, they they had kind of rocked the boat uh, with that, and I yeah. see definitely more traditionalist. Lurch, it's just, um, I would say it's, it's, if, if you become a full-blown traditionalist and you work at the uh, New York Times, you're not going to be working there for much longer. Right, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's palpable. So I'm not saying that uh, Douthat is being dishonest or anything like that. I, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, like, to be a radical traditionalist to reject Vatican II or at least reject the way it's been interpreted and say firmly that there is no community of continuity. If Vatican II is correct, then it must mean the same uh, thing the church has always meant on issues of religious liberty and uh, relationships among the different religions. 
Um, so, but if you said that, like, you're definitely going to get, uh, you're not going to be writing for the New York Times. Oh, yeah. And if you, um, uh, if you, if you write for First Things, you, you're not going to be writing there. Or if you run First Things, uh, you're going to lose most of your benefactors. Is that, is that similar to the idea of dy dynamic silence? Um, I think that we live, um, I don't, it's kind of funny you mentioned this, I don't, I don't want to be too personal or something with the um, different interactions I have in the world of journalism. I'll just say that uh, always be, if you read something um, in a, regard, in regard to political or religious issues, a person can write something condemning a movement or condemning or, or criticizing a um, theological position it might seem extreme in 2018 hmm. but if you kind of read between the lines you see that they're sympathetic to it now I'm not saying Russ Duffett is a radical traditionalist I don't think he is but uh, I would say that as ironic as it may seem and we live in an era where there are virtually no good writers whether it's poetry or prose or journalism um, that, that, that the sophistication of uh, coding things in um, uh, writing due to the extreme pressure and censorship mm. is uh, we've reached a, a, level, a high level of sophistication in regard to that. Right, right. Okay. Um, and then the other figure I've, I've got this down here is um, Andrew Sullivan, who is you know an openly dissident uh, Catholic, sort of flaming uh, homosexual uh, rights advocate. Um, but a uh, very interesting kind of background because he's he's a former neocon and he he really um, beat the drums for the invasion of Iraq and wrote some some pretty um, some, some pretty warmongering stuff about how um, the 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 decadent coasts of America weren't ready for war but the heartland was there um, and then he was also very instrumental in in the push for gay marriage and I think he. He wrote a book in the 90s, which was sort of seminal in this regard, and, and he encountered a lot of resistance early on from people within the 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 the, the, the gay uh, liberation movement who who did not understand this sort of accommodation to you know, small C conservatism in the sense that um, it was changing what was understood to be uh, gay liberation in a much more uh, traditional kind of framework. Well, um, I, guess, I don't know if this answers your question, but I would say that um, the the nature kind of you see in these scandals and the the behavior of Cardinal McCarrick and my own kind of run-ins with the um, Lavender Mafia in the church, uh, and as well as the writings of Have you heard of uh, his name is Joseph Scambra? I think. Yes, I yeah I, I've listened to him actually. Really interesting yeah, guy. Yeah. And he describes the lifestyle in San Francisco, and that lifestyle does not tend toward monogamy by its nature. I mean, there are, uh, and and even more than that, there, there are a couple of very good pieces on LifeSite, too, where people who are moving out of that lifestyle um, talk about their experiences, and, and they, they describe some really awful uh, behavior. And then one of the things that they say is that there's darker stuff that they um that they, they don't even talk about. So I think that, that Sullivan's position of monogamous relationships um, for people that uh, people with that affliction, I, um, 
I, I don't think it's possible or desirable. There's another guy, Justin Romano. Of course, of course it's not. No, yeah. Yep. yeah. He's a libertarian writer who is the same uh, orientation as um, Sullivan, but he is very honest about that. He says that you know, gay marriage, it's gay men don't want to get married, is mm. his argument, basically, mm. that uh, all of these things are politicized and used to subvert the... Um, uh, institutions in the West. And so it's, the, it's, it's similar to the history of the civil rights movement. You have an authentic swelling of the community uh, in America, the black community, uh, but they're quickly co-opted. And people who are too hardcore, too sincere, like Malcolm X, are kind of thrown off to the side. I think in the, um, the sexual revolution, the same thing happened, you know, where uh, these these movements, and I, I'm not saying sexual revolution is a good thing or the same thing as the civil rights movement, but my point is that these movements are co-opted and they're turned into uh, a primarily uh, a, 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 a destructive mode, as opposed to, um, in the case of the civil rights movement, something that would be positive. Don't you think they were they were initiated um, by those by, the, by those powerful political forces for um, political control? You well, know, interestingly, you... oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, there's something we've probably talked about before, but, uh, you know, Wilhelm Reich's uh, book about, um, you know, the power of basically um, sexualizing the masses, cultural Marxism, you know, the the attack on the family, breaking down authority structures. Uh, yeah, so, well, I, I, interestingly, I wrote a uh, an article uh, for LifeSite News on um, uh, the book Eros and Civilization by Herbert Marcuse. Uh, and the influence that seemed to have on the recent film by Guillermo del Toro uh, called um, The Shape of Water, which is um, fundamentally about uh, sexual uh, liberation. Uh, But, I mean, uh, Herbert Marcuse's point in there was that um, Freudianism had been co-opted in the 1950s, uh, yeah, I think he's specifically referring to Archbishop Fulton Sheen because Fulton Sheen uh, wrote a book. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was something to do with the unconscious or something. But it basically it tried to present Catholic sexual ethics in Freudian language. Oh, interesting. So, Mar- so Mar- I don't know how successful it was, but Marcuse was attacking this sort of normal or uh, use of Freud's terms, and Freud himself is being too conservative. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but he, he basically, if you read through the lines in Eros and Civilization, he's actually arguing for total sexual liberation. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that, that this is, I guess, Michael Jones' gay disco point is that uh, as long as people are free, and they think they're free in their bedrooms, uh, they will uh, resign their um, uh, wages, the, the, uh, resign high wages, that they will give up the traditional Marxist political struggle. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a controversial British politician who I was listening to one time, and he said uh, he said something very uh, clever. He said the uh, left in Britain had uh, risen to power, so kind of the Blair era, uh, but they they didn't want to give up their money, yeah. so they turned to uh, multiculturalism and to um, sexual liberation. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's the new left in a nutshell, really. Um, which which we've discussed on this on this show before um to to just um to just draw this uh, back to the um the sex abuse scandal um 
I'd be quite interested to hear your thoughts on Church Militant and Michael Voris because um, they were conspicuous, or they have been conspicuous in their their lack of criticism of Pope Francis in the last few years, um, and really focusing their ire on the American episcopacy. And it's strange considering their, you know, orthodox um, sort of uh, governing um, their, their their vociferousness in in pursuing those anyone who uh, you know any sort of heterodox um, bishops or anything like that, and yet they have haven't said anything about you know Pope Francis' numerous um, you know obvious uh, attacks and changes to to uh, church church teaching. But now there's a sort of very strong about turn um, where, you know, with these abuse scandals out and, um, you know, they're, they're leading every day on Pope Francis must resign. Well, um, that's an interesting uh, point. Let, let, let me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to pull, pull something out here, the, the name of someone so I don't get it wrong. Yeah. Um, but I, from what I understand, there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, one is, first of all, uh, there in the United States, there has traditionally been a conflict between uh, the Society of St. Pius X and the Fraternity of St. Peter. Uh, and uh, the Society of St. Pius X, as you probably know, was uh, established, I think it was uh, incarnated, I could be wrong, in uh, Switzerland. Yeah, and that's right. um, they, I mean, you, you probably know the story. I mean, Archbishop of Philip's seminary was visited uh, by a delegation from Paul VI. They said everything's great, then they went back and tattled and said this is these are all bunch of traditionalists. So yeah, he was suspended ex divinis, and then of course it was 1980 consecrations and the formation of the Trinity of Saint Peter afterwards. Now there's that's a whole uh, conspiracy podcast in itself. But uh, yeah. needless to say, the fraternity was founded and they were promised um, uh, from former society members. They were promised a bishop. I think they were promised schools. Uh, they were promised some other things that they never got. But the whole point of the fraternity's founding was to sabotage the SSPX. Now, I, I want to say I do go to fraternity uh, parents, mm. uh, and I'll, I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but uh, I, I do, and I do know great fraternity priests. I know people that teach at their seminary. Uh, but anyways, the, the point behind it is that there is supposedly a, a fraternity of St. Peter benefactor who... Um, has uh, given a bunch of money to Church Militant and a couple with a couple caveats. One is that Michael Loris attacked the SSPX no matter what. Uh, two is that he attacked, attacked the fraternity, or not the fraternity, but the traditionalist newspapers, Remnant and Catholic Family News no matter what. Uh, I think they attacked 1 Peter 5 too. Um, oh, really? And um, the third thing is that they don't attack the Pope. Mm. Now, the first... Um, the the uh, the Catholic magazine or newspaper to publish the Vagano letter was um, the National Catholic Register. Hmm. Now the National Catholic Register uh, was founded by, um, or at least originally financed by um, the uh, Legionnaires of Christ. Right. Now they, uh, in addition to the sexual scandals, <laughs> there, there there's a whole. Uh, uh, network, or, or I guess it, 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 uh, a whole show on the weirdness of religion as Christ and their possible uh, relationship to American intelligence, that sort of thing. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, when they went, they began to go bankrupt, or that they began to lose money. EJB Ten bought them up, 
Now, um, I'm, I'm looking right now for the head of the um, EWTN. It was bought up by, uh, the register was bought up by EWTN. His last name is Warsaw. Uh, I'm trying to think of his first name, but the guy who's the president of EWTN or CEO of EWTN. Uh, but nonetheless, he seems to be a strange character. Now, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to just sort of say that. Uh, but there, there, I have Michael P. Warsaw's thing. Right. Uh, there, there are rumors. I won't say. I mean, not in the sense of anything legal or dealing with sins of the flesh or anything like that. Uh, but some supposedly strange connections he has. So the EWTN um, publishes the uh, EWTN's National Catholic Register publishes um, the uh, the Cardinal letter. And then all of a sudden, like, you have all these neoconservative and conservative Catholics attacking Pope Francis who were previously defending mm. Now, one, I would like to say, I read the Vagano letter. I think uh, supposedly he uh, received some help from, there's an Italian journalist. I don't have his name. It, um, it's not Antonio Sochi, but it's, it's the other traditional leaning uh, and very skilled and clever writer uh, who's in Italy helped uh, Vagano write this. Two, I'd say that I agree with it. It's probably not extreme enough. It probably needs to go after these guys more aggressively. Yeah. Uh, but they're, I don't know, the, the whole thing seems odd. And Was any uh, of it a surprise for you, Jesse? Sorry, when you read it. I mean, yeah, for me, it, it, it just, it, it all seemed really obvious. No, I, I think that it's it's obvious and it probably doesn't go far enough. And yeah. it's, it seems to be, outside of a few people like uh, Leveda, it seems to be an attack on all these liberal cardinals. Now, I'm, I identify as a traditional Catholic, so I mean, I have no problem attacking liberal cardinals mm -hmm. uh, and bishops, but uh, it just seems odd that all of a sudden the registrar publishes this and then everyone, Church Milliston, all of a sudden attack Pope Francis when they had defended him uh, when he had caused a tremendous scandal. I mean, he, Pope Francis basically predicted this would happen in 2013 when he said, who am I to judge? Remember the who am I to judge? Uh, in the summer, I think, of 2013, on a flight back from Brazil, I believe, that interview was with regard to gay priests. And he said, you know, if, if, if the priest is gay, someone asked him about that. And he says, well, if he's following God of the clear conscience, who am I to judge? Right. And uh, that is a green light to all these people, um, you know, in the church that he is going to overturn what minor restrictions uh, Pope Benedict had placed on Cardinal McCarrick. Uh, which seemed very light. It's not as though Pope Benedict, like, he, he didn't, like, guillotine or something uh, Cardinal McCarrick or report him to the police. He just censored him, and supposedly Cardinal McCarrick didn't follow uh, a lot of the uh, restrictions that were placed on him. So I think it's, um, the Vagano letter is very well written. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, but I, I have a suspicion that there's more to the story uh, than simply this man who had seen this abuse for, you know, whatever, a couple of decades, and then all of a sudden stood up. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and I think I think we will uh, gener gen uh, generally find out more um, over the coming weeks. But just to go back to uh, Church Militant... Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. No, it's okay. I, I just, I remember um, reading something. It was on uh, AKA Catholic, I think. Um, a long piece by Randy Angel. Um basically that went into the alleged links with Opus Dei um, uh, with Church Militant. And this, this was a while ago, but it, it's interesting yeah. you bring up the links with the FSSP. Um, you know, people have 
claimed to me that uh, open day pays the fraternity's bills. I've never, I mean, I've talked to people in the fraternity. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I know they have lots of money, uh, or at least a fair amount of money. Yeah. Um, it is true that the, the weird thing about Oka's day is that for the last, some people have claimed for the last, I don't know, 10 years maybe of his life, maybe five, John Paul II, like Pius XII, now that, that's another show too, mm -hmm. uh, was basically incapacitated. And yeah. so Joachim Navarro Valls, who is this uh, Opus Dei uh, physician slash uh, media guy who's best buds with George Weigel and helped get Witness to Hope written, he basically ran a lot of the Vatican. Now, there's even, I don't know if that's true, I don't know to what degree it's true, uh, there are even more extreme claims made about uh, Navarro Valls in the end days of John Paul II. I, don't, I doubt those are true. Mm. Um, so I think um, it's like the um, situation with the particular, with, with the Mormons, we'll say. I, I don't think that Opus Dei runs everything or that the, they, they uh, are, you know, co-opted the church. I know that there are Catholic universities they've given a lot of money to. Uh, where there's Opus Dei cliques that have kind of taken over. Uh, people have made claims that Opus Dei is um, kind of a, a weird modern, um, or that there are links with Talmudic Judaism. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I haven't seen the arguments made with that. I mean, I do know that there are individuals for Opus Dei, that there are claims that Church Milton is paid for mm. uh, by Opus Dei, but that would make sense. I think, I mean, there are connections to the register, NEW10, uh, alleged connection with Opus Dei, so it would make sense that, you know, you have this organization uh, that has a crossover with American intelligence. Remember in the 90s, uh, I forget the name of the man, and there was a movie made about it, who was Opus Dei, who gave secrets to Russia, uh, and there was a fictional movie made about it too, Opus Dei, uh, Spy, Russia, um, Robert Hansen. Oh, yeah, the name rings a bell. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I've actually uh, attended Mass back when I would go to Nova Sordo to um, or at uh, the Opus Dei Information Center. Uh, I'm not a member of Opus Dei, never was. But, <laughs> um, the, uh, George Weigel was, would go there, and I'd see him there at K Street in uh, Washington, D.C. Right. Um, and uh, the Larry Kudlow... Uh, the economist converted uh, in, in the United States uh, with the Opus Dei priest. There, uh, there are there are a few other um, things as well. Uh, but I would say that it's it's possible. But I, I don't. I'm not someone who believes one organization pulls the strings. No. I mean, no. I think the deal with Michael Boris uh, that there are things that go on behind the scenes because he used to be part of the, you know, he used to be a practicing homosexual. Yeah, and when he was fighting the diocese of New York, some priests uh, or lay people uh, from the diocese of New York outed him yep. uh, in his past, and he was very honest and very humble. Yeah, uh, and he responded by outing a bunch of their things. So I think that um, if there is a network that's very powerful and very connected and very dark, uh, it definitely is the Lavender Mafia, which extends across political lines, across religious lines, political and um, uh, class lines or divisions and, and theological views. And um, it's a seedy network where a lot of people know each other's secrets. And it seems to be that what happens is some people get outed or they get damaged in some way, uh, while other people have their secrets kept as long as they behave. Yeah. 
uh, it's interesting because Engel says that essentially, yes, you're right. It's it's not it, it, there's there's a sort of um, low intensity conflict going on within the Catholic Church between different religious orders, and Opus Dei themselves see themselves as the the preeminent religious order or uh, whatever you want to call them, ordinary of, of favour after the the kind of uh, apostasy of you know large numbers of Jesuits in the 20th century and so they are the new guardians of orthodoxy and their ultimate ambition is to to get an opus dei prelate on the on the chair of saint peter in the way that you know a jesuit uh, now sits there so she she characterizes the the struggle in that in that way yeah i mean i think there's a sense i mean what we know for sure is that there are people in the Opus Dei who committed crimes or financial crimes. Mm. Uh, we know that there are many, many people who claim to be uh, emotionally abused to have their finances taken away, especially if they're kind of lower in the rungs. So I know that there are a number of stories that uh, Randy Engel published in regard to that. Uh, there are lots of claims that the Opus Dei uh, has a lot of financial influence in um, Catholic publications. Some people claim the register. That would make sense that all of a sudden the register attracts if the register is financed by Opus Dei and it attacks Pope Francis, and then Church Milton's financed by Opus Dei and attacks Pope Francis, mm-hmm. it would make sense yeah. uh, that uh, they would fall one after the other. Um, but I, I don't. There, there hasn't been uh, a smoking gun revealed with Opus Dei. Yes. Uh, there, there, there's a good article. I don't have it right here, but in Mother Jones, the uh, left-wing um, publication from the United States, where they talk about the connection between Opus Dei, American intelligence, and some of the um, right-wing uh, dictatorships, or if you want to call them that, or movements in Latin America mm. and um, uh, South America. Now, uh, the Catholic neoconservatives wrote a number of books and articles uh, attacking liberation theology, which you know is good in a certain degree, but then arguing for capitalism. Mm-hmm. and American influence in Latin and South America. And uh, there were William Colby, uh, working in the Reagan administration, and uh, William Casey, I think, was the head of the CIA, who were Irish Catholics. Yeah. And some people have argued for, like, an overlap between um, Opus Dei and American intelligence. I mean, there's no proof of that other than individual people like Robert Hansen, who were, uh, worked for... Uh, American intelligence, and then was spying for the Russians. Yeah, uh, that that was kind of a weird story. So, um, you know, like there there has yet to be produced in gun. I know this day, but I, I wouldn't doubt. It, so I'm not defending them. I, I, I probably all of the accusations are true hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, the Opus Dei quite explicitly targets and um, uh, you know look to get supernumeraries from people who are you know influential within society um and yet yeah, there, there's been you know politicians in the uk who have been identified is rick santorum there's quite a few there's some american politicians who uh he's not official yeah i was just doing some research into this for something else and he i don't think officially is but um i think he sent his kids to an opus day school he would go to opus day events now what's interesting is that the Legionaries and Raymond Christie would function like that, very much tied to the Republican Party. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they would have these events where they would have these politicians speak at. Um, again, uh, if there's not, 
I don't think Rick Senatorum is officially an Opus Day. I don't know if there's a major American politician who's officially an Opus Day. I don't think so. I mean, okay. people talk about the Scalia family uh, as having an affiliation, Paul Scalia, uh, mm-hmm. the priest, and then um, Justice Anton Scalia, but I don't think he was officially an Opus Day, at least publicly. Right. As far as no. Yeah. Um, so there definitely is an overlap, but then again, there's not a smoking gun. I would say... If there's intrepid researchers, I would look into the Sandusky affair uh, at Penn State. You know, the, 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 the man who was harming children, mm-hmm. who was a coach at Penn State, and the relationship to sort of powerful uh, conservative Catholics in that state, mm-hmm. which is where Penn, uh, Pittsburgh is, by the way, where Cardinal World is. So I, I think that um, it's important to note that this is a conservative attack on the liberal ring of the church. And it's not a um, it's not something that is confined to simply whistleblowers. That there are people like Rod Dreher, who is uh, an Orthodox apostate from the Catholic Church, yeah. uh, who is bringing these issues up. Uh, ben Shapiro, who is not Catholic, is bringing mm. this up. Uh, Jack Prasobiec, who is some sort of I don't know Christian, but he's part of the same network as Ben Shapiro, is bringing these things up. So it's it's an attack on the Francis wing of the Church. But they're still uh, identifying the, the 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 distortions of the mainstream media that that this is largely a problem of homosexual abuse rather oh, we, oh, than yeah. child oh, abuse. There's, there's no question. So yeah, yeah. I mean, all these people are guilty and more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, all the abusers are, and um, I think that they're right to be exposed. All I'm saying is that there's like there's definitely something else going on. All I'm saying is that there's like there's definitely something else going on. There's here. more to it, yeah, and. Uh, just looking on the other side of things, then it's interesting to see the the way that the uh, the liberals, some of those identified, and others are digging in their battle lines and how they are moving forward in you know in the coming weeks. Um, someone like Supich, you know, looking very very sort of worried on um, that NBC interview and sort of making these ridiculous things about how Pope Francis has to get on with helping migrants and the environment. It's almost like a parody. Um, but it, it seems to be that what these the, the, the heterodox crowd are doing is signalling to the secular media for, for help, that you know, for, for backup here. And, you know, the the New York Times and others have duly obliged and written that this is all just a homophobic, you know, right wing attempted coup against Pope Francis. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Chicago is ground zero for the Democratic Party right. uh, in America. So you have Cardinal Bernadine, uh, Barack Obama, Rahm uh, Emanuel. David Abbott, uh all kinds of strange murders and accusations of the cult and homosexuality <laughs> and pedophilia and stuff coming out of there. Uh, a prelate is going to be chosen for Chicago for a special reason, uh, especially Subic. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I think what's going on here is this is a political battle that the church has gotten caught up in. And what I mean by that is that I, I, th- I think you're right in the sense that Subic is saying to not just the media, but to powerful people in the Democratic Party, it's like, look, you know, I, I, I need your help. Yes. Like this is, um, you know, we're, we're under attack. Now, what's interesting to see, what will be interesting to see is what the response will be, what the counterattack will be. Um, the Diocese of Lincoln... Uh, who Rod Dreyer, uh, to his credit, brought up the, a scandal that had, had occurred there, or a couple of them, under Fabian Bruskowitz, who was supposed to be this big traditionalist 
bishop or whatever, uh, and how Bishop Conley, uh, who I've met a couple times, I won't get into that, but uh, had uh, seemed to have covered up for some of these bishops and seems to be continuing to protect some of these priests. So I don't know what will happen is that there will be a counterattack and be like, look at these conservative uh, bishops or whatever, and look what they did. It's definitely, it's something disconcerting, and it, it, it begs the question about um, how, especially in America and Western Europe, bishops are appointed. Mm. Uh, and, like, is it the same thing as in politics where you have to have some blackmail on you to be appointed to be a bishop? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and do you think um, this is the end of the post-Vatican II uneasy post humane vitae armistice between the whatever you want to call it liberal conservative heterodox orthodox wings of the church where the the armistice terms has been something like we're going to keep the teaching it's going to be formally upheld or most of it but obedience is not going to be demanded or enforced and um, this 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 um truce has has led to an intolerable pressure building up which is just now breaking out and those two wings are openly going to war it seems like that from some of the statements of the bishops i think that's a very good way to put it as sort of an armistice yeah. or like an iron curtain maybe or something a cold war i think i think that, that that's exactly right um i think a couple things will happen one is that the uh, accusations against Pope Francis will blow back into Benedict in the reign of John Paul II as well. Mm. That it will seem as though they, I don't know, necessarily complicit, but they, they did not do enough, let's put it that way. And once that, I know, I know people personally uh, who, once that idea entered into, into their mind, that John Paul II was not a super saint, mm. uh, they'll either apostatize completely or they'll become traditionalists. So I think that, um, that that's one thing that'll happen. I think, too, uh, you know, the Catholic Church has tons and tons of money and especially property, but it doesn't have an infinite amount of resources. No. I think once it loses its financial power, uh, that's going to be a big problem because now, I mean, if you're Cardinal War, you can hire a team of lawyers to protect you. Mm. You know, you, you have... Uh, literally millions of dollars, and then in tens of millions of dollars uh, via loans or whatever at your disposal. But there'll come a point where the church will lose that power. Hmm. Uh, two, the political power as well. I mean, if you, you if America, we still have lots and lots of Catholics. Lots of people go to mass. But once the boomers die out, uh, you're going to have a situation where less people are giving money in the collection, and less people are going to stand up for the church and willing to defend it. And there'll be no need for the New York Times to cover for the church. You know, so I think that that will happen. Um, I think without a doubt, I think that, that, that there will no longer be neoconservative or JP2 Catholics. I think that that will die. And there'll be traditional Catholics and um, there'll be progressive Catholics. Now, it is possible that, like, the, um, the establishment church at least it seemed it was going this way until recent revelations, establishment church would be a progressive church that would just be totally unrecognizable uh, from the Catholic church of old. And there would be these small traditional communities. Mm. Um, Being persecuted, out. probably. Yeah. Yeah that, yeah, that 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 was a possibility. 
Um, it seems to be, I, I mean, I don't want to make any predictions, but I, I'm willing to bet, you know, behind all this neoconservative attack of Francis is they want to get someone in there like Cardinal Dolan uh, or maybe Cardinal Chaput, it, maybe Bishop Chaput. You know, it's interesting that if you read the Bogano letter, um, Bishop oh, he Chaput, mentioned, yeah, yeah he, he's praised there. Now, he is someone who is advocated for li religious liberty. Yep. Uh, he's, he's someone who, during the scandal over the um, Edgar Mataro uh, review and other things, where he wrote a uh, letter in the Jewish Review of Books praising uh, Edgar Mataro, sorry, attacking First Things for publishing that review. Yes, yes. He's someone who is very compromised uh, intellectually. He's someone under whom Bishop Conley, the one who's being accused now in Lincoln yeah. of mismanaging at least the affair, uh, served in Denver, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it seems strange that Bishop Chaput is, is um, praised there. One of the other weird things that stands out in the Bogano letter is like, he said, Pope, or excuse me, Father James Martin was chosen to, uh, let me see if I find the exact words, um, chosen to promote the LGBT agenda. I, I can't find exact words, but yes, I, I know. It's, it's, it's weird that, that the word, the phrasing chosen, mm. you know, uh, and then uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Angelo Not Sedano, that surprising, though, really, is it? Yeah, no, it's not at all, but it, it makes it seem like it's like a concerted effort. It's not as though he's just sort of this progressive character who's very smart, but that he has chosen and plucked out to... Um, um, convey this message. I mean, you don't, you don't get to go on national TV. You don't get to go on CBS, ABC, NBC, and the Stephen Colbert show uh, unless you have a clearance to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, some people have said that, you know, Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI is the one man who could clear this all up and say, yes, I did put sanctions on McCarrick or not, um, which either of those statements would obviously have huge ramifications. Um, and you have to ask yourself the question why he's not. Um, because this, um, this, this rupture is going to cause enormous damage to the church, and he, he might have, you know, he has the ability to potentially uh, at least bring about some, some clarity. Um, I, I would say I, I've, I've heard different rumors that are unconfirmed right. about him. Um, th that that's a question. I mean, people ask why uh, was the third secret of Fatima not published earlier? Mm. Uh, why was communism not condemned um, during Vatican II? Uh, why did John Paul II appoint so many bad bishops? Why did Pope Benedict not do enough? Um, I think that one we know that Pope Benedict uh, moved immediately uh, Father Mar uh, Marcel Maciel of the legionnaires. Mm. Uh, we know that he attempted to do something to stop this, and we know that powerful people did not want him in there. That's why he resigned. Yeah. Now, is he blank male? I don't know. I mean, what... Uh, it seems to be George uh, Georg uh, Ganswein is like some sort of handler or something where he speaks for Benedict. Mm. But when you look at... I mean, Benedict is 91 years old. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you have... Uh, elderly great-grandparents or something, that's very old. Mm -hmm. And it's not as though you have a lot of energy and stuff. You can get up and walk uh, out and push away this large German uh, cardinal, or not cardinal, but uh, Monsignor or Bishop, who's in a way 
and say, you know, I declare this. Uh, I think that definitely he's being held there as some sort of prisoner, which I think is a good sign in the sense that, you know, like, I like Cardinal Ratzinger. I, I don't think he's perfect. I think he's, mm. he's a certain a conservative modernist to a certain degree. Uh, but I, um, I think that he at least tr- made some effort to do the right thing. I think Simorn Pontificum was kind of a, um, I don't want to say like a bomb, but yeah, I guess you could say like a, an artillery shell lobbed at the left. Uh, yeah. Starting the process of regularizing SSPX was an artillery shell lobbed at them. Yeah. And then after that, he had to go. Um, it's also possible that... And the Regensburg comments. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. I mean, it, no, 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 that's fine. Um, it's also possible that... Uh, the uh, you know Roger Ayer had said when he uh, he he had written about his apostasy from the faith and he had brought this quote up that a, a priest told him said if you go down this path you're going to see things uh, darker than you could possibly imagine and um, I, I'll I'll say this I'm I'm almost certain I don't have or I, I have a partially smoking gun in this but I won't say it but I would say that once the whole thing comes out, this is this McCarrick thing and Whirl and France, that's, this is just another layer. Yeah. But yeah. once you get to the core, like, it's going to be, the stuff that's out in the news now is bad, but this is going to be worse. It's going to be like, you know, I mean, I, I would speculate, and I don't have rock-solid proof of this, uh, but, like, the Tro-style, like, murder and torture, like, like really bad stuff. Yeah. Like, like I think that, I'm, I'm almost positive, that's what's, and so you have this where, you know, did Pope Benedict know about this? Um, and yes, possibly, I don't know. Uh, but there, he maybe he just chickened out and decided to sit out and didn't want this to come out in the open uh, at this particular time. I mean, other people suggested, like, you know, if you don't have any kids, people can threaten your nieces and nephews or your other family members, his brother and stuff. Mm. But again, that, that's all speculation. I mean... It seems, I think we know for sure, one, he's being held there. Two, uh, George Georg Ganswein is kind of his handler and seems to filter out things he says. Uh, that Pope Benedict did a number of good things to try to shut down the abuse scandal uh, and that he tried to do a number of overtures for tradition, but he's not perfect. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised about anything. Well, I... Um... I listened to your interview with Tim Kelly, and you mentioned the the Masonic document, the Alta Vendita, and it does it seem very strange when you look back at the 19th century popes and the the mounting sense of calamity in their writings, um, saying the disconnection from God in the modern world can't go on and and will lead to disaster. You know, condemning liberalism, the syllabus of errors. Leo the Thirteenth's um, vision, um, all the world, you know, all the way up to Pius the Twelfth, who said the world was worse in his time than the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and then and then Vatican II rolls around, and suddenly the world is all nice and to be embraced, and uh, the evil we we see all around us is just accelerating, and and the church is is mute in dealing with it. I mean, it's, to say it's disconcerting is uh, is a complete understatement. But you know, I mean, you 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 have got evidence, circumstantial evidence, of someone like Archbishop Annibale Bugnini, um, who said that he was proud he had conquered the church, was a Freemason. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this. I mean, some words of consolation are, you know, I mean, if you read the um, 
pagan philosophers like Aristotle, there's kind of a, a pessimistic view of human nature, this idea that most people are bad and that there are a few good people who are able to become virtuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's been the small tree tradition of the church since the Gospels, uh, as well as like types in the Old Testament, like the Ark, that, um, you know, the majority of people go to hell. Like, and if, if you think that, about that, like what the word majority means, and that, uh, you know, like what, what would people be doing here on earth? And, and you look at like other institutions, um, you know, in America, the um, Child Protective Agency, the, um, uh, the public school system, the athletic system is rife with these sorts of abuse. I mean, it's, I'm not just about the church, but I mean, it's a cliche since 20, 2002, but this is much worse than other organizations. I know that I'm not defending or I'm not trying to minimize the church, but so you, you, you see this going on. And you look to, I guess you could say, pagan wisdom, but even the teaching of the church, and it's like, yeah, this is the way the world is. I mean, if we go back to the 13th century, the greatest of centuries, uh, you know, the, the, the century of St. Thomas Aquinas, mm. of um, uh, St. Leo the Ninth. Yeah. yeah. And what are most peasants doing? Well, probably not the same things as today, but, you know, I mean, yeah, what, what are a lot of aristocrats doing? You know, I mean, what... Uh, if you look at, like, you delve into, like, the practice of, you know, cultism, the sexual behavior, yes, it kind of ebbs and flows, it fluctuates, depending on the time, the place, but people have always done bad things, mm. and this is an especially bad time, there's no question, I'm not doubting that. Well, I the thing is, we live in a time where we've abandoned the idea of sin, that's what's so yeah. dangerous. So there there are all no, these yeah. intricate concealments, or it makes sense that these in- intricate... Um, disguises of the sheer volume of depravity that exists sorry i just thought no 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 that's that that's good so i i would say um that is uh that that's kind of the the meta text of what's going on is that this is part and parcel of the human experience and it's publicized now it's it's worse now um but uh, it's something that has been consistent. I mean, you look at, like, the first apostles, only one stayed with our Lord at the cross. Mm. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the tradition of the church has also been, too, the small T tradition is that the majority of, you know, priests now, too. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to search too much personal information, but I was in the um, Novus Order Seminary for uh, two years, and I saw this stuff go on. I was in a pre-theologate program at a Catholic university that was supposedly this great Catholic university, and now many of my former classmates who were studying to be priests are active homosexuals. Uh, I taught at a Catholic school for a number of years and uh, a Catholic university, and I saw very bad things go on there. Uh, this is a conservative Catholic uh, institution, and so uh, for me, I've already been, I guess you could say, red-pilled or black-pilled or whatever mm-hmm. on uh, on this issue, um, but, you know, it doesn't change the reality of the uh, church as an institution, and actually the more radical traditionalist arguments for what happened in the church, a revolution that's now, you know, 150 years old, yeah. uh, is, is not surprising at all. You know, I mean, there's a very good homily by a priest who's a state of a contest, I'm, I'm not a state of a contest, but his father, William Jenkins, and he talks about, and this is what modernism is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the fruits of modernism. Like, you have 
priests who go through seminary and they're taught that uh, the, everything in the gospel is fake except for the, the social doctrine. Uh, the Old Testament's all fake. Um, the Middle Ages and medieval philosophy and Catholic morality is all like just Greek and Roman philosophy and Germanic ideas of this, uh, or Germanic customs imposed upon the liberating spirit of the gospels. And uh, these people uh, have no, uh, many, leader, many leaders in the church, they have no authentic faith. Uh, they're corrupted by power and influence, and they've been able to get away with this for decades. Yeah. And they get on the camera and they smile and whatever, and they had trusted because they were friends of powerful people and also because they did these things in the presence of powerful people who are not in the church, uh, or they shared this information with powerful people who are in the church who are doing the same thing, whether in media or politics, uh, that they would be... Uh, um, immune to being caught. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a very good summary of, of the, the situation we're seeing at the moment.